podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. To a Celtic state of mind. It's Tuesday, another different lineup. Lawrence has returned. We've got Boyces standing in for Young Patrick. And before anybody asks, he's not ill with a coffin. He's uh, got a prior engagement today, so he's not here to talk about the hoops. We're going to be talking about Young Abada on the wing and the wee man doing his thing up front. Um, <laughs> gents, how are we on this fine Tuesday? What an honour, Declan, mate. This is the first Axon show me and you have done together, mate. So I am honoured to be in your presence, big boy. There you go. One day Ange Postacoglu, next day Russell Boyce. <laughs> big time. Hanging out with a big time. James, we'll kick off um, with the man of the moment on Sunday, the, the, the guy that scored the winner, um, Jota, um, 22-year-old Benfica player, a, a boy that we brought in quite late on in the window. And uh, he certainly kicked onto a game, seven appearances for Celtic, two goals, two assists. Lawrence, going to fire this one over to you. The buyout option on him uh, in June next year is £6.5 million. We've already, we're going to touch on what Ange said about signings in January from Japan and the J-League. How important is it going to be to probably move mountains to bring in Jota from Benfica more than anything else? Well, there's definitely a player in there. I think it looks better on the right. It's probably sort of Soft a wee bit, he's been playing on a, a bit, bit on the left for us, just due to, I think, our numbers. Uh, we don't have many options, but the, the wee man's got, got the skill, there's no doubt. He's got an eye for goal. Yeah, it's, he, he's one of the standouts in the team. You, you, you've got to sign him. Uh, we brought in £53 million so far this year. I know we've spent about 23 So, you know, I know it said we lost £11 million. Uh, in the books, but that was a, there's still a bit of money to come in. I think that there should be money there to, to sign a, a player of that. And if you're agreeing that as the buyout fee, fee, you're not agreeing it because it's unachievable for you to pay it. You're agreeing it because, right, we can afford to pay that if the wee man lives up to our expectations. And mm-hmm. I, I think he has so far. Yeah, no, totally. But I say one of the comments coming right in, right away, is too expensive. Now, to go back to, to January, sorry, not January, just a few months ago, in the summer, sorry, um, and look at what we had in terms of assets. Edward left, 
Ayer left, Christie left, and it just looked as if it was a squad there that you weren't really going to have any big players that you were going to you know be able to sell on in a, a few months' time or a few years' time. Um, I think Jota and Kyogo and Abada, all three of them probably fit into the category of a, a long-term plan. You'll get good players out of them at this moment in time, but in the future they'll be able to sell. It's a no-brainer for me. What about you? I think when it comes to six and a half million, I think that's a wee bit... I think that's a reflection of where Scottish football sometimes is, Declan. Six and a half million pounds is absolute pennies to a lot of championship clubs down south of England. Across Europe, in fact, six and a half million pounds. Everyone raised their eyebrows at Club Bruges signing Jack Hendry for eight and a half million, for example. But only in Scotland do we raise our eyebrows at that sort of money. I don't actually happen to think that is the sort... I think that's the sort of investment Celtic have lacked in making, Declan, if I'm honest to you. Um, whilst we had a period of dominance, there still seemed to be a reluctance to to speculate, to accumulate. Um, uh, and you look at the Edward deal, um, with hindsight, and hindsight's going to look very, very fav- favourably on Odson Edward. He won a barrel load of trophies, was our top scorer X amount of years, used a record club signing, and with only 12 months left, still left for double. Now, if that's not a blueprint to follow, then I don't know what is. I think... I think six and a half million in today's market is fantastic value. And just on Jota, I think he's been a brilliant addition to the team. I agree with Lawrence 100%. What we've seen so far, we like. And more of the same, please. Yeah, more of the same, please. And hopefully, um, you know, he can keep himself fit. I don't think he, I don't know if he's been selected to go away with under 20. No, he would be away under 21s. Um, so, you know, it would be just at Lennox, I imagine, doing his training. I'll be in there mm-hmm. with the rest of the boys. So, Hopefully he can avoid picking anything up in uh, training. Sorry, that was a wee bit of mental math, sir. That's what happens <laughs> when you're doing a journalism degree. You don't do any numbers. Um, to look at the guy uh, who was partnering him up front, and his first touch on Sunday was, you know, he put the ball in the back of the net with his chest. But again, if you look at the stats so far, it's 11 appearances for Kyogo. It's eight goals and it's one assist. Now, there probably was a bit of concern from some people that he wasn't getting in the ball too much early stages of the game. Um, Benange made the subs late on in the game. He moved him out of that left-hand side, but I think he's wasted. Um, but to throw this one over to Lawrence, I think, you know, a lot of the time you get joy is breaking the lines. We saw the goal. It's a breaking of the lines. Roderick plays that killer ball through to Montgomery. It's a cutback across and Jota bangs it into the net. In terms of breaking the lines, and it's a great first goal, by the way, in terms of using the width. I know it's our midfielder out there whipping the ball in, but... Uh, I think when we come back after the, the international break, I think that's something I want to see more in Celtics play. What about yourself, Lawrence? Definitely, mate. See when that ball got played out, I was just th- thankful it wasn't the Tynecastle linesman, you know, flagging it for a non-existence offside. But mm. listen, it's joy that they were going to get knocking it across. I thought Kyogo, yeah, I, th- I think he had a quiet game by his standards against Aberdeen. I do agree he's wasted out in the left. You know, maybe we could have tried pushing Monty up further up leave him ha- ha- in the middle. I, I, yeah, he just didn't seem to do much at all when he came on two touches of the ball, one just outside our box, one in their half. I, I know we're hampered by injuries, but he just doesn't look to be doing it at all, does he? And I, I don't know when we're going to see much of the Greek boy or, or when do we give him a, a run out uh, to see what he's like. But yeah, you, you know, we need to find a way of breaking teams down. We need to get the, the fast moving uh, passing going, but I'm not too sure how you do that when you keep getting fouls going against you for nothing. You know, Aberdeen, it was every minute, well, more than every minute that they had, or just less than every minute they had to go 
ball every 50 odd seconds. 82 to get... seconds, ball. No. Every 82 <laughs> seconds he fouled when they had the ball. Yep. Well, you, you've got to take the time that the ball would have been out of play. So it's, it drops to under a minute. You're, you're, you're looking and going, wow. this, is, this is crazy. It's a crazy start. <laughs> you know, and it's. But when you, and you, you, you saw some of the Aberdeen players, it was just the slightest touch fall over. You know, they wouldn't have got a penalty in the penalty box for, for that kind of slight touch. Why are they getting a free kick? You know, over at the touchline for it. There's literally nothing in a lot of these uh, Bobby Madden uh, decisions. Is <laughs> it's, it's not like Bobby to get decisions wrong. <laughs> uh, we'll come to we'll come to Bobby Madden, the the Airdrie uh, fan later on, Russell. Um, but but on what we're chatting about there, breaking lines and in terms of different you know stages of play. When Giacomakis came on against Leverkusen, he looked at a player that was going to come on and ruffle players up. Um, Fingers crossed we obviously keep Kyogo fit. I think he's going to be joining up now with the Japanese squad during this international break. Um, we really hope that he does come back fit because I think he's integral to the system that Angie's wanting to play. But on Giacomakis, if he's to come into the side, spoke there about breaking the lines, would you imagine a different approach to play? Because he's going to be a big guy that looks like he can hold the ball up in the air, which we've yet to see a Celtic striker do this season. Do you think that is a possibility that Whoever you know plays that old traditional number nine position, um, will need to adapt to to suit them more than anything else because a Yeti just you know he's obviously a penalty box striker, but in terms of his movement, I think it was last week against Indian United that was seventeen odd touches. Is it a case of just you know mixing your game up a bit depending on who's up top for you? Yeah, I think there's many ways to skin a cat, Declan. I think that's something that. Perhaps in the Monday Club we've been accused of being negative, but I think we were always just trying to promote the fact that don't just play one way, particularly in Scotland. And, and to be fair, a lot of the results have been that the options weren't fantastic, you know, open to or available to Ange. I think when you bring in someone like Giacomakis or Giacomakis, when you actually look at his, his reel on YouTube, he scores a complete variety of goals. But... What the goals that the ones that I was most interested in were the headers and were the almost slight tackle goals from three yards out, if you like, shoving someone out the road, throwing his body in there. Because I don't think we've quite, I don't think we've really got that right now. And we definitely need more options up top. But on Kyogo being, you know, right now, he's far and away the, the number one. As for Ajete, I'm not convinced he's going to make the cut in the long run. I really don't. The only chance he had was if we played with two up front. I wonder when he came up to Celtic, he presumed, such as our dominance when he signed, he was going to be paired with Odson Edward or another. Um, I think up front he looks he looks a you know a lonely figure. It doesn't look like he's got the attributes to his game required to play Angie's system. And you only need to look at the difference since Kyogos came back in the last two games. Albeit he didn't score against Leverkusen, but the whole team feeds off how he he starts it all, you know, for me. When the other team's got possession, Kyogo then dictates how our team react to that. And he leads from the front in a, in a brilliant way. He's, he's your first defender, if you like. Um, you don't get that from a Yeti. Giacomakis is an unknown quantity right now, but I certainly think he's going to give more questions to the opposition than what a Yeti's offered so far. A Yeti, a Yeti. I'm, I'm, I'm contradicting myself every two seconds here, Declan. Yeah, well, we know you like buses and I think you could probably call Kyogo our conductor, but that's the orchestra, no, the bus. <laughs> um, but he's, he's just, he's chasing play. To me, it's infectious. You know, he's not, he wasn't always getting the ball to feet. 
and Sunday watching him up there. But, you know, he kept moving, he kept wanting to get the ball. And I think, as you said, Russell, the energy he brings to that Celtic team is far and above anything that we've seen Albia Yeti give you. You could just tell last Thursday evening it wasn't 100%, but just in terms of breaking the lines and the chances he was created, he was really unlucky with the one that the goalkeeper basically sees with his big toe. Um, but he just, you know, he is infectious and I think he's so crucial and important to to how we play. Um, now, in terms of how we play and in terms of the system that Ange's got, it's obviously, you know, the blueprint is a 4-3-3. It's two fullbacks coming inside. It's a number six holding and it's an eight, a 10 and it's a three up front. Now, Lawrence, we saw a lot of different personnel being used in that midfield. Um, we saw James McCarthy being used in there, but obviously... He had COVID issues. We don't really know what we're getting with James McCarthy yet. A person that we've been told didn't have a proper uh, pre-season. Said that saw the same three players until Callum get injured, getting used time and time again in that midfield. But on Sunday, um, the person who I wanted to play in there got the chance and there beat on. And I thought for you know for the, the first half, he did fade in the second half. I think that was Zoa, a, a collective in the team that a lot of them faded in the second half. He was really unlucky as well, beat or not he score at the beginning of the game but as a number six is it a case that we're going to just need to play the natural kind of defensive type midfielder in there because again it was somebody that wanted to take the ball out from the back which I think in that system you really need when we're putting ourselves under pressure and the ball's getting played around in such tight areas Yeah I mean listen for me the midfield three I'd, I'd have beaten uh, Cal Mark and McCarthy if everyone's fit Think Turnbull's. I'm not too sure how he keeps getting picked. If anyone was getting, I mean, I thought both Turnbull and Roger would get dropped, but I thought Turnbull would have been dropped before Roger. You know, Roger's got a bit of magic when it, when it comes off the bench. But yeah, I, I, th- I think beating sitting in there's definitely, I think, our best option. I think Callum's wasted when he sits further back. You know, he, he, he's much better further forward. Uh, going back to Ayeti. You know, he, he, he get his, his national call-up again. Maybe he's someone that will be trying to move on the transfer window, isn't it? Uh, generate some more funds. And just touched on his, his eye on Japan. Uh, I, I, I think we've all seen enough of him to say, look, it's just not going to work at Celtic. You know, the boy's obviously of a standard. He's Swiss international. Try and move him on. But yeah, midfield. I'd, I'd have been beaten in there all, all day long. Natural number six. Uh, it made us look a bit more solid, less porous. I thought, uh, you know, I understand that's from Bayer Levis because in Aberdeen we're going to look less porous. <laughs> you know, it's a different standard of opposition, but I think he gives us a bit. He should have scored. He does give us a bit of height as well, doesn't he? He should have put that away. Uh, so mm-hmm. both in our box and their box, you know, we are mm-hmm. particularly bad uh, cross, box in it, cross balls into our box. I think, yeah, beating gives us another another bit of height in our box. But uh, yeah, I, I think for the my midfield the three would. Just now, if everyone's fit, beating uh, McGregor, McCarthy. Boise, what about yourself? I mean, we spoke there about number sixes and just kind of playing that natural player. And maybe when you look at games like last first evening against Bayer Leverkusen, you might look to even, you know, pull Callum a wee bit back and play that kind of two controller, something that Brendan spoke about this second season with Browning and Cham. Just in terms of two players that can break up the game, um, something that, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't do too well. He's not doing too many things well just mm-hmm. now at Manchester United, mm-hmm. but he's playing Fred and McTominay in there just to kind of get that two, two controller ideas. I think Chelsea's another side that do that. Um, in terms of those big European games, would you prefer to see us go with like two kind of number sixes in there to just have a wee bit more bite in midfield and break up play? And then in games like this, domestically in the league, just have that number six sitting 
the natural number six and let McGregor do his thing because to me McGregor just looks so much more comfortable as the old kind of traditional eight pinging passes moving about and, and being what I describe as Callum McGregor's our metronome in midfield No I think it's a brilliant point Declan I think Colin what you've got to give him his due at the weekend you know and he went before the game he says we're playing a six an eight and a ten in midfield it's the first time we've done that this season and I felt there was a difference in the team now it's brilliant when you're going forward when you've got Rogic and Turnbull together Declan right that's brilliant but the fact of the matter is they set up against we set up against Leverkusen with those two in midfield, a top top European side, and for me with hindsight, opposite there's a bit of hindsight, but even before the game you could kind of say that was never going to work. I actually thought Sunday was so satisfying for me as a victory because Ange did adapt for me. I'm not saying that to be all. I always said he needed to adapt. I don't mean it like that. I just feel that the balance of the midfield made me feel more. Confident going into the match, if that makes sense. And I think it's something that's going to need to be adopted. You have to sometimes play the fixture, Declan. You know, you mm. can't just always go, my philosophy wins out. You know, in the long run, my philosophy will win. Hopefully. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I thought Sunday was an example of what can what can be achieved when you actually do play the opposition, you play the fixture and you go, maybe there's more balance required in the midfield. And I take a point with playing two sixes at times, but if you can get joy out of playing, you know, hopefully McCarthy gets fit and then you're looking at him, I would like to think overtaking Beaton. Is that mm. fair? You know, I, I don't mean that. Hope so. We've watched Boise, you know, near Beaton for a long time in a Celtic jersey. Mm. We've watched him for the past four years be executed as a centre-half Last season and this season, we saw major mistakes in him. Don't know if that's just because he was playing, you know, at centre half or not. But we know he's yeah. got a mistake. We know he's not, you know, the most technically gifted of players. He's a squad player. I mean, always has been. And you would mm-hmm. hope that, you know, an English Premier League player that you're talking about, James McCarthy, would be, you know, the solution in there, wouldn't you? I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think as well, like I've said, I've kind of alluded to before, the investment the Celtic have made in James McCarthy is. Quite astonishing for someone with his injury record. But to flip it, I also do believe that he is a top player, you know, when he's when he is fully fit. Uh, and I just think that Celtic are going to need to back up that investment we've given him, you know, the jersey once he gets up to speed. But in the meantime, credit where credit's due for near Beaton because he actually had a very good game, I felt, on Sunday, particularly first half, as you alluded to that one. Yeah, no, I thought he did. And, you know... You know, in the second half, I thought he was poor. Um, but I thought in the first half, he certainly he played the game well. He, he broke up bits of play. And I think he gave Carter Vickers and staff out a bit of an outlet because, you know, at times we desperately lack somebody wanting to take a bit of responsibility and take the mm-hmm. ball out from the back when we're playing about it, uh, playing about with the ball in there. But in terms of, you know, the actual game, a lot of people during the week, you know, many Celtic fans have said we need to win football matches. It's not a case of you know, good performances. We're not really bored about good performances at this point in time. We want to win games. Um, Jota, funnily enough, is in the front page of the Herald today saying, you know, we'd rather play well than win football matches, which again, 
I don't like when these comments come out. I'm not a big fan of them, but you know, um, both would be great. Play well and win football matches. But we did win. Ugly, we did win ugly. And Lawrence, is it a case now that we adapt game by game? That he looks at Petodre. Yeah, it wasn't the most comfortable, but um, you know, it's a win. It's three points. It gets the monkey off the back and not winning since Valentine's Day. Uh, and then we get a big Ange loving at the end. So surely all is good when that happens and we win a football game like that. Big Ange, mate. Yes. I know he's your mate. You like to hang out with him in the sixth <laughs> well, centre. Uh, I don't but... know about mate. He did call me mate mind, but I just think that's an Aussie <laughs> thing. So I'll work on it though. I will work on it. <laughs> Listen, Ange's got to be happy. There's three points. Uh, he's starting to get his players back. You know, he, he's probably more frustrated than us. You know, Juranovic looks like a, a class signing for him. Comes in, looks good for a few games. He's out injured. Don't know what's happening with Big Julian. You know, it just seems that it's always next week, and it's, it's the same way with, with wee Jamesy. But hopefully, after, after an international break, we're seeing those two players. Sorry, those three players in the squad. I think they'd make a difference. You know, I think that's three players that start for anyone else in the league. Gives us decent options, you know, as well as, well as Tony Ralston's done at right back. I don't think he's as good as Juranovic. You know, mm. centre half, yeah, I think Julian on his game, if he can get back to his best, is our best centre half. You know, and James Forrest is just modern day Celtic legend. You know, Abad has done well out on the right, but he blows hot and cold, but I suppose you know, he's only just turned 20, hasn't he? He's a guy we can maybe use up, up front. You know, as an option, but we're having to stick him out in the right, aren't we? You know, because we're limited on the left and the right. Yacht, Yacht is covering the left, where I don't think is the best use of him. Maybe you, you know, get Montgomery some time out in the left, but yeah, but at least we're starting to get options back now. As you touched on it, you know, it's a win away from home, it's three points. We're getting hard away grounds in the middle of a European run, unfortunately. It just, just the way it's run, you, you, you know. For us as a club, unfortunately, we've had these kind of hard venues to go to. But, you know, three points is three points. And I think, you know, as much as Jot says he wants to play well, well, I'd play badly every day of the week if we get three points in every game. It's, it is about, at the end of the day, you're playing for three points, you're not playing for plaudits. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, right. as Bruce would say, what the points make. You know, it's prizes. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the season, it's all about prizes. You, you won't, you know, you won't remember the games exactly that you maybe played well and then lost. But you'll remember the games that you went up and you just get the job done, and that's it. And at the end of the season, you've got silverware to um, to show for it. And that's that's something that you know, it's a mark of champions grinding out results, getting those we one nil, two one victories, which is something I think a lot of Celtic fans thought it's either going to be. Rock or bus fans, we're either going to, you know, do yeah. teams three or four nil, or we're going to lose one nil, where it's going to, you know, we're just going to, going to put in the performance. But so a very different approach to the game. We did lose our way in the second half. I'll, I'll, I'll be um, honest, and I, I didn't see where the second goal was going to come from. I thought when the subs came on, I thought, mm, don't know where this is going. But we, we did keep going to the end, which is something Ange says in that clip that we all seen. We keep going to the end, which we did do. And boy, say, want to just kind of. Contrast that result at Petodre, same venue, seven years ago on the 9th of November, eh, when Virgil van Dijk scored that very late header. And yeah, we got the Ronnie Roar for the first time. We get the Ronnie Roar for the first time. We get the Ronnie Roar and we get the Ange Hulk. I'm going to call it the Ange Hulk on Sunday. I like that. Um, I like that. The Ange Hulk. I think there's going to be a lot of similarities possibly between these both games um, in terms of looking at it as a collective. 
and going forward forward how big in terms of the mentality in that dressing room is that victory in Sunday going forward now because the monkeys off the back are not winning away from home I think they're probably mentally damaged as a side from what they've went through there's still a core group there that's went through a terrible uh, rut of games how big is that result going to be in Sunday going forward until you know we get to that January transfer window because I think that's going to be the, the point everybody's wanting to stop at and see what we had to the squad at this point in time I thought it was I thought it was the uh, you know last chance saloon to be honest with you. I think if we he'd lost the result there, I thought the you know the knives will be out, you know, the, the wolves will be at the door. Uh, but they did it. And that's what I'm absolutely delighted about. For me, it's the most satisfying victory of the season. I get the the comparisons. Obviously, other people have compared it to Lenny's spell when you know at Kilmarnock at Rugby Park when it was three all and you know compared it to that. I, I see both similarities that you make there, Declan. I really do. Um Ange had to win away from home. It was as simple as that. We know he beat Yablonech, but they were, no, they were no great team at all. In fact, the two goals we conceded away to them were more concerning than the actual four we scored. But Sunday we've seen a different approach, as you say. We've seen a wee bit of you know, strength and mentality that had been perhaps lacking. And I felt for the first time you've seen Ange with the lineup saying, I'm going to need to mix it up a wee bit here. Rogic and Turnbull experiment maybe came to an end after Thursday. Now, I know he came out and said after Thursday, I won't change my approach. And I think there was Jaws in the floor, Declan, when he said that, you know. Maybe now I'm beginning to see what people were saying when they said it was a bit of cloak and dagger there. He was just, you know, he's playing mind games because he did yeah. actually change it on the Sunday. And fair enough, that's his prerogative. But we can only comment on what your manager says. That's all we can react to. You know, we can't go, oh, he means something else completely. You can only go by what he said. And I think it was a, a really good talking point when that was brought up on Friday and Saturday's shows. Obviously, he did change it on Sunday and he got his just rewards. And he see, and you did see a team that played to the end. And I thought the desire for Jota was just fantastic. You know, that's these are the type of players you don't you look at from the outside in a naive way and you think they've not got that. They, they're not going to have the dig. They're not going to get it. And yet Jota and Kyogo, for me, the two guys, the prettiest hair, the prettiest football, most flair are the two guys to me that seem, out of all the signings, that seem completely driven to getting the points. Although, Jota's goal completely contradicts those comments that he just quoted. And I've got to say, I don't like those quotes. And I would I would dare say that they reminded me a wee bit of Jeremy Fringpong. Well, um, hopefully, again, it's just mind games. It's just chatting the media and it's just saying stuff. Because again, when yep. I looked at the, the team sheet that came out last Thursday, I've obviously not been on since last week. I was shocked to see McGregor and Keogh go in that team because he played it down all week. But yeah, they might get a bit of game time, but we don't really know. And there they are. And I'm sure Bayer Leverkusen are probably taken aback by that as well when they had a look at that team. Because, you know, they wouldn't have expected Kyogo. And from comments I've read in the media, um, you know, McGregor is well-known in German football and they, they do know all about him. But to turn to, to comments in the media, to turn to Ange Postacoglu, um, really interesting article at the weekend came out and when he was talking about the January transfer window, he has called this a two or three uh, window process. I would totally agree with that. I think, you know, it's not his fault that we are in this position at this moment in time. That is on the, the hierarchy at the club, putting them in that position where it needs to be a two or three window process because of the major players that we lost in the, the last window and how much I've had to bring in and how much you can bring in in one window. But one of the things he said in this article is... 
We've identified targets and begun discussions before we get to January so that we can conclude deals a lot quicker than we did in the previous window. Lawrence, music to every Celtic fan's ears. Um, when was the last time we, we pulled off a really good you know, January transfer window? We're going back to Robbie Keane is probably the best major signing in a January transfer window over a decade ago. Certainly the last time I kind of turned up at Celtic Park to see a sign, <laughs> a January transfer window signing at almost midnight. Yeah, it's, listen, we don't all agree. I think Kyogo is an unsigning. I think Yota coming in late, any of the late ones are probably unsignings. But on Kyogo alone, you know, if, he, if there's another one or two in Japan like that, that he's identified for, you know, he's going to know his squad a lot better now for positions that were weak in, that can play his style of football. Ideal, you know, you'd you'd expect him to be, or you'd expect a professional club to be talking to players all the time. You know what's going on, where are our weaknesses, who might we sell, what are going to be our options when that happens. Probably a bit harder for us. We don't have a head of recruitment or a director of football, but I'm sure that's probably um, maybe getting looked at. I don't know, uh, but yeah, we've got to start planning early and, and have a, a few options. Get and don't leave it the last day to bring them in. You know, it's. I think that you know we're, we're three or four players short, aren't we? We're down in last year's numbers. We're down in last year's quality. Uh, last year didn't turn out well for us. So to expect better results, you know, I think we need to bring some some better players in. Uh, if fans can get, I would say probably somebody else at left back. Yeah, uh, as much as you know, I've liked Taylor, and he seems solid enough. I'm not too sure if he's going to fit. What Ange wants, although Ange was praising him early in the season. Still think that we need a bit more steel in midfield. Uh, and another option up front, uh, you know, what was it, four strikers out to in? You know, I, I'd like to see us try and move a Yeti out and bring in maybe another one. If a Yeti goes, bring in another two strikers up front, give us some options. Because the injury crisis has shown us how kind of threadbare we are. We do really need people that don't. And Ange said it last transfer window, didn't he? He says, I've not done a good enough job of convincing the board. <laughs> how many players we need in and it, listen it's come, come to pass for us we've been dropping points because we are Fredbear yeah and I think you know to take it on a smaller scale if you look at any of the top English sides and obviously we're not anywhere near that level of a, a Liverpool Chelsea Manchester United Man City whoever but they've got at least two players in each position that are you know on par or just you know needing for each other that if one drops out they can bring another superstar in of course we're not at that level but there is there is other clubs around Europe that are at that level of just, you know, if your left back drops, you've got a good enough left back to come in and do the job that is vying still for that place. But you see, coming to other comments, he said was, it was also going to be a two or three window process. We're looking at January at the moment. He said, we know the areas we need to bolster. It's about getting more players that I believe can play the type of football we want to play. And there is a mentality attached to that. It's about the type of personalities who are going to be brave and really ambitious what do those comments say to you? He's obviously looking ahead. Um, we, we don't, you know, again, we don't have a director of football and we don't have anybody above him making these transfers. So I would assume it's him going out. But after the Kyogo transfer um, from Visal Cobb, surely, surely the Celtic board can trust him to go and pick out some decent players from this market and get them in. You'd like to think so, Declan. There's two sides to it. For me, if you're being honest, out of the 12 signings we made, I'll ask you, in fact, how many do you think Anne signed? Very little in terms of in terms of what Number. he actually went out and scouted his cell, maybe one, because I one. think some of the rest are probably 
you know, the way probably Celtic work it as a list of players, like Joe Hart probably, there's probably another four or five goalkeepers yep. and asking him what one would you prefer and he probably does that. But I think a lot of clubs do. It's not an issue. But right. in terms of if you go back to like Brendan uh, five <laughs> years ago, the man that we mentioned too much in this podcast, when he came in, he brought in Scott Sinclair, Colo Touré, Christian Gamboa, who were all players and Doris DeVries, sorry, that he definitely identified and wanted at the yep. club. They weren't Celtic signings. They were Brendan Rodgers signings. So here's the point, though, though. When 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 Postecoglou took over on a, you know, you'd think there was a honeymoon period at some point when he's first started. There's a lot of, you know, backing that he's getting, you would like to think anyway. Yeah, he only gets one out of 12 signings. Come January of results, and I, I, I obviously hope that Aberdeen was the kickstart for the season, but what he gets to do in January or the, the window after, this two to three window process, will be dictated by how he gets results on the pitch in between those windows. It's quite obvious that if Celtic only gave Ange, when he first came in the job, in a massive rebuild, one player he identified, I'm not convinced, and I certainly don't believe him based on previous Januaries, that Celtic are going to give you this, you know, fantastic transfer window that we're all hoping for that builds on Ange's vision. The only way he can force their hand a wee bit is if he goes on a win and run between now and then, you know? And obviously you want Kyogo to be front, left and centre of that, you know, on, on the stage because that then backs up his argument even further. I, I, I have concerns that if you only got one guy in the summer when he's trying to fight to try and get us back the title, why on a patchy run of form, as, as it stands at this present moment, by the way, I'm not saying it will be come January, but why on earth they would then give him carte blanche in, the, in a January transfer window when they're notorious, let's be honest, for last day loans in January. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just 
$1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Yeah, it is a fair point, and it has been the structure that we've seen um Again, if you go back to, to last December when Julian cracks his knee off the post, we're going to be coming on to talk about Chris Julian. But we know we knew then that we needed a centre half, not one appeared. Yep. Frimpong left for what was it, eleven odd million quid to bring in an Everton loanee. Um I don't know if that again was just due to the situation that we're in that they probably knew that Neil Lennon wasn't going to be at the club for much longer and they didn't want to bring in much. But again, that isn't a managerial issue that's again the board in terms of forward planning and looking at what we're going to be, be heading towards but yeah I, I don't know if there's possibly was a hesitance in there um, that they didn't want to you know buy too much from that market in case it never worked out but as you say the fruits of you know they've came you, you see how how good a player Kyogo is and how you know he said that he was one player in the league that he knew he could definitely trust and that's why he brought him in and I think if there was any hesitance from the board in terms of giving him a back in, in the G League, it's there to see. And as you say, it's, you know, I think if Postacoglu um, wasn't to get those players, you know, again, but we're heading down a road that we don't want to go down here because for this... But the results work, will be balanced with that, Declan, That's yeah. the thing. Whilst Kyogo might be a success in isolation, they will balance it with results and what, what results Andrew's brought in. That's, will, that's my yeah. point. They will, and it's you know we will judge it differently as fans from what they will judge it as. And again, I, I don't think they've got as much a, a sentimentality that they would have had it been you know a Neil Lennon or a Gordon Strachan. There seem to be a, a undying loyalty um, <laughs> to them, which is why they, they they hesitated so much of it. But in terms of January, um, maybe looking forward too much. We've got four players you've already touched on a few of them, Lawrence, that are going to maybe return to the side from injury. Uh, Greg Taylor, Chris Julian, James Forrest and Josip Juranovic. How many of those guys um, slot into your, your start 11 going forward? I would say Juranovic takes hold, definitely takes right back slot. Uh, in fact, all four of them, I, I would say, are, are fitting back on, on their game. Uh, Forrest definitely starts over a badder. Julian's our best centre half. And I think Taylor's our best option at, at left back. Not to say that you know we should be looking to improve upon him, but I think those, those are four starters if they're all fitting on their game. Boyce, do you agree with that? Four of them right in for you? Or is it a case of wait and see? Um, because it seems, you know, Vickers came in and loaned from Spurs. You'd expect him to get a good run of games up here at Celtic. Starfield has spent four million quid on. You'd expect him to play. Mm-hmm. So where does Julian go in there? You've got a bad, uh, yeah, he's only 20. Um, but to me, it looks very good and it gives you a very different option to James Forrest and it's a bit of competition for James Forrest that we've not seen in over four years. Uh, I'd imagine Juranovic, for me, would come in at right back. It's no disrespect to Tony Ralston, but you spent that money in a Croatian internationally, so that's the guy you would want to play there. And then Taylor, um, saw Montgomery being used there. His comments the other day, sort of Liam Scales, the manager, said with Greg Taylor out and Liam Scales not quite ready yet. He was the one we were going to rely on when he was talking about Craig Taylor. Sorry, he was talking about Adam Montgomery. Is it possible that Scales might be the man for left back, or do you think he'll stick with Craig Taylor when he comes back from injury? I find the Scales comments quite interesting. I don't understand how he's not ready. Seems to be a that seems to be a, an ongoing issue itself. Though they sign players and they're 
not quite ready, not quite ready, not quite ready. And it seems to take ages to integrate them into the first team. As for the other positions, I think Lawrence is pretty much bang on. I think left back, I'm not as convinced of, of Taylor. Um, but right back, you would expect Juranovic. And I agree with you, Declan, no disrespect to... what's uh, Why can I not think of his name? The right back... I'm having a complete... Ralston. Ralston. I thought it began with a T. I don't know what happened to me there. Sorry. Ralston, I feel... T for Tony. Tony, that's what I was thinking of. Tony Ralston. Apologies, Tony. But I think Juranovic will take his spot. Um, I was talking about Forrest the other day. Him and Abada. I think Forrest being back to full fitness is good for them both. For me, Forrest's best season was when Paddy Roberts pushed him to the limit. Right? And Forrest rose to the challenge. I also see that flipping a wee bit. I think Abada will learn from James Forrest, will watch James Forrest, and then want to be better than James Forrest. If you actually look at Abada's numbers in isolation, you look at him as a player at 20 years old, just turned 20 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely outstanding. Considering he's never been in Scotland before, played in Scotland. It's a new league, new system, new team, new cause. And he is completely, for me, his numbers are absolutely brilliant for that age. And I do think when Forrest comes in, that'll be a great mentor for him, but will also push Forrest that wee bit further as well, similar to what Paddy Roberts did. So it's a win-win in, in that position. Yeah, that's a really good point. Somebody's come in with the comments from Brown Warrior. He said, Forrest brings a defensive quality. Abada hasn't developed yet. Um, I think that was shown to me in Thursday night against Leverkusen when we were playing the inverted fullbacks. You needed the winger to drop in if the two fullbacks were not going to go back in and it just left big gaps in the team and I think that might be a fair point in terms of how we look at you know the wingers in the system are executed because you need that bit to drop back um, but again that will be up to the manager and uh, I'm sure he'll make the decision on it but I'll be interested to see what he does at left back because again you know Montgomery we don't want a case like Stephen Welsh is in just now where they play a player for so much then they just completely drop out and we don't see them again because in terms of development, it's something that Celtic I don't think do very well. Is if you're going to play a young lad in there, you need to give him game time. It's imperative mm-hmm. that he gets game time. You can't just put uh, Welsh out in the cold and that's it because he won't develop at all, which is one of the problems with Tony Ralston. But Ralston 22, but how much game time did they actually have in those years from breaking into the side, making his debut against St Johnston to up until that point in time? So I think that's something they need to look at. And again, it's with Montgomery. You know, it's a great cutback from Montgomery, but. I think personally that Montgomery's a better left winger than his left back. Lawrence, would you make of that? Yeah, no, I, I think he's definitely better further forward. I mean, that's where he's placed most of his football. He's got potential at left back, but it doesn't matter which position you prefer. I mean, he's going to need some game time throughout the, the season. Whether he's your starter or, or he's a boy that you're looking bringing on is different. I think Taylor would start in front of him. Montgomery has then got the option to come on for your left back or your left winger, depending on how the game's going. He, he does give you options. He's really confident. I've always confident going forward with it. Defensively, he's not shown too much for me yet, but you know maybe he'll show more, more uh, the more he plays. But we definitely need a plan how to get people in there. You know, and I don't know if they sit down and plan it and go, listen, we want so many academy players to get so many minutes in a season. So, you know, if you're 3-0 up, you don't need to be going for a fourth and fifth goal. Maybe give two young boys a bit of a run out. Let's see what they've got and see how they stand as instead for the rest of the season. Because there will, will be uh, times you come down to being threadbare and rather than turn around to a guy that you haven't seen play or had <laughs> zero minutes in first team, 
at least in the night of four or five 20 minute cameo appearances, you know them a bit better, they've been bled into the side. So, I we, we do need to have a plan, yeah. But for me, yeah, it's, it's Taylor. I think he starts before Montgomery left back. You, you, I mean, keeping him out of the Scotland team is only Robertson and Tierney. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's not like his stats are good for Celtic as well in terms of assessing the amount of times he's on the winning team, the amount of times when he plays and we win. Uh, so I don't know whether that's more luck or, or whatever, but certainly if it is luck, you know, it's it's good to be lucky, isn't it? But yeah, I, I, I can't see you'd start Montgomery over Taylor. If Taylor's fit, but he's got another six weeks out, hasn't he? He's, yeah. So a long way from that, you know, we've got another after international break, is it Motherwell? And then Hibs, Motherwell. so... It's Motherwell, then St. Johnson, the game against Ferenc Varos, and it's away to Easter Road, then we're at home to Livingston after that. So, St. Johnston are flying. <laughs> you, you, you know, mm. Fern Farris, I don't really care about Europe. So, yeah, three hard games in the league, yeah. It's... To me, the Ferenc Varos game is going to be really important because, uh, you know, I think for the, the squad, European football after Christmas is a, is a must for us. And again, we can we can uh, give a go to the conference Um the new competition there but you, if you finish third in your group you get into so in terms of Ferris Varos it's a team that I would like us to get revenge on and do the job against and have another game after Christmas because again it's it's about getting the, you know testing and getting to that bar- barometer of where you'll be and if you're bringing in players in January you'd want to get to give them a go in Europe and see where you can go in that competition because the draw could be quite favourable in there um, don't know if I'd fancy finish second and getting one of the um <laughs> The Champions League dropouts, that's another story. But when we were talking about left wingers there, I don't know if this could possibly be Kevin Keegan in the comments. Um, you know that, that clip? I would love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. Um, and he said, nobody nobody more injured than Mikey Johnson. Now, you know, Mikey said, you know, a really bad spell in terms of look, injuries and being out the team. Boise, for you, is this this season, has it already passed that Mikey Johnson makes an impact in a Celtic team? We saw him come on. I think that was the game against the United. No, sorry, came on at Livingston. Came on, that was the first time we'd seen him back. Um, you know, do you still see a future for Mikey Johnson in White Hoops, or do you think it's just ran its course and he's just going to have these continuous injury issues that have really, you know, hampered him? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're looking at options on the left, I find it quite interesting that no one really, particularly amongst that, some contributors even bring up Mikey Johnson, you know, as an option, either you know, take it for granted that he's out in the sidelines injured or he doesn't actually come into contention and you're thinking as a as, as competition for that place. Lawrence touched on it earlier. Maybe we could try Montgomery out there. You know, I don't think it was anything anti-Mikey Johnson what Lawrence was saying. It's just he's not came across his mind. That's how far away he is right now. Um, I made a comparison the other day and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat it just for the show's benefit. You know, Abada turned 20 on Sunday. He looks physically a far more developed specimen, whatever you want to call him, you know. He looks like he's matured already compared to Mikey Johnson looks as wee as me. You know, he he doesn't look quite ready, but I think Mikey Johnson must be now three, maybe even four years uh, the senior of of Abada. So I think that time's going to end up catching up on him. And I know he's been unfortunate with injuries, but I also worry with players like Johnston, Will he get a fair crack of the whip for the fans now? Because it seems so long since his debut to now and the little sort of content we've seen him, the little substance, you should, I should say, in that time that we've seen from him. I just worry if he could become, not because I want this, by the way, 
I would worry if he'd become a whipping boy if things weren't going right and he was involved just because we've not seen enough from him yet and you're looking at a badder right now. He's got credit in the bank for all his bad performances already. He's only been at the club two months. Mikey Johnson, for me, is in his overdraft. Yeah, he might possibly is in his overdraft because I've just not seen enough of him yet. Um, but he is only 22 and, you know, again, it is probably worth sticking with just now if we can get him fit and get him as a squad player because you're not going to get a big sell-on fee. Um, you know, Postecoglou might get a different tune out of him that we've just not seen yet once he gets over this injury. Oh, so we hope we want every player in that Celtic squad to succeed. Um, but obviously... Can back a couple of seasons ago, I mean, he, he did look as if he had it. You know, he was getting a goal every Especially the, games. Wasn't it? it was, the nine in a row season. Five or six goals both seasons. So he, he was kind of consistent in terms of appearances and numbers of goals. It's just unfortunately he's got injured and it doesn't look... It's like see when Clamalla went away, come back built up. You're not seeing that kind of application for Johnston. So whether he's he's unable to build up, he's he's not able to carry it. He's coming back and he's he's looking more and more fragile every time he comes back. That that's the worry. You know, that he's just not going to be able to play more than twenty games a season or twenty five games a season. I think that's the main worry with him. He's never going to be physically fit enough to to carry out a full season for us. See what we talk about quite often as well, Lawrence, right, is see when, when players are injured. And I think people have alluded to it with Julian, as much as I'm not on that camp, but people have said absence makes the heart grow fonder. And you start doing a bit of revisionism on players when they've been out injured for a long term and you, you build them up to be better than what they actually are and your memory's playing tricks on you. The mad thing with Johnson is that doesn't seem to be happening. You know, you, you're not getting that same sort of weight of, oh, he'll be a brilliant addition when he comes back which normally happens when it's long-term injuries. You know, you kind of, you start building up their profile again as in, oh, it'll be like a new signing. And I do feel that goes against him, not because it's his fault, but inadvertently goes against him a wee bit when I just don't think he's going to get the, the fairest crack of the whip. No, somebody's asking why we're talking about Mikey Johnson, but this is probably why we're talking about him because I don't know, I need to check this one out, but Patrick Dolan in the comments has seen his contract expires and May, May the 31st, 2025. Wow. So we've still got a long time to go with Mikey Johnson. And you, you would just hope, I mean, again, Brown Warriors come in and argue comments in. Dela sorted Forrest out by managing his situation better. I believe Postacoglu has the same approach. We would all prefer him to have the same approach because we want good players in our team. And there's nothing better than seeing uh, youth players come in through the side, through the academy, and get their chance in that Celtic side. But in terms of getting their chance in the Celtic side, we're sporting about players hopefully arriving at Celtic Park come January. In terms of exits, gentlemen, um, who do you think could be in that Pickford van out of Celtic Park come January? Lawrence, I'll throw that one over to you. Is there anybody at this moment in time, one, you think we could get Listen. decent money from, you know, a £5 million strike you've already touched on in Albuquerque. I don't think yeah. we'll recoup that anywhere near that. Are there any players that you would like to see go out and loan? I, I think uh, I'd like to see Robertson come back for loan, but I'd, I'd like to see a Yeti go out, Barkas be sold if possible, Ben be sold if possible. Uh, I, I don't Bolly. think anyone's going to make, make it. Bolly's, Bolly was a really weird one. Why did he come in against Livingston? And he, he wasn't any worse than anyone else in the team, and then he's completely disappeared again. It's especially when we're, we're struggling for options at left back. Uh, but yeah, if he's not going to be part part of the plans, move him if we can. It's. I, I, <laughs> But then again, with Threadbury, you've got to be, make sure we're not just selling them and it's one in, one out. We've got to be mm-hmm. adding numbers to our squad. 
as well. But yeah, I think a Yeti, yeah, I think he's, for whatever reason, it's not going to work. Barkas and being the same boy, you've got to get, you know, 10 million for the, for those four, surely. You know, I, I don't know what would be spending about 15, I don't know. 16. I think that would be a January window with the way it's working now, Lawrence. I think that'd be. <laughs> If he yeah, does that. well with Switzerland, you know, he's back in the national squad. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, but those are the guys that does he well, stand for Switzerland? Because I watched Switzerland at the Euros well, and he was nowhere near that. So I know he's in the he's squad. He's always just back in the squad, so he's not starting. But he's back in the squad, so he's away. Mm. But, you know, but that's four that I'd be saying, right, they're not going to work for us. Just move them on and get you know, get what we can. You know, mm. some of them have got to be big earners. Barkas and a yeti. Yeah, I'd imagine a yeti and Barkas. Five million, you know, they're, they've got to be kind of 10 grand plus a week, haven't they? They've got to be... Easy. Ball and goalie wouldn't have came to Celtic from Rapid Vienna and being poor money either. You'll be in a decent wage too. Um, yep. Ball and goalie's a weird one, Boise, because he was left out the squad on Sunday. So there was another one that was left out the squad on Sunday. Um, I'm only worried, you know, we can all say, you know, want these players to move on. But again, in terms of what we would replace them with or whether we would replace them is the biggest concern I've got because it's already well in saying, you know, I'll be a Yeti, move them on. But do you then go and buy another striker in January or loan one in? Because I just don't think we do. That's the concern that we might move players on. But in terms of replacing them, we saw this this summer. 15 went out, 12 went in. So we left ourselves short. Would we do that again in January? Yeah, we might not think some of the players in this level in time, at this point in time are you know, setting the bar. But if we do shift players out that we've not seen anything from at this point in time, would you have confidence in that we'd actually replace those players? No, absolutely not. It goes back to the point I was making earlier. It's so easy to use terms like, oh, Ange needs two or three windows. Who's he getting the transfer windows with? A board notorious for not doing business transfer dealings well. You know, that's where I find that argument, you know, it just falls a wee bit flat. I'm like, remember the position he's in right now. He's only really got one signer on the table so far after the summer. You know, when he was crying out for more publicly as well. What, why is everyone so convinced that if he gets two more windows, we'll look great. I'm not convinced Ange gets his way as much as what we would... I think it's based on if Ange gets his way in the next two windows, the team will be there. There's no evidence that will happen. Zero. And that's the reality check, which I'm not saying is a good thing, by the way. In terms of uh, up front, I think you've got an option with Abada. And for me, I think Abada should have replaced Kyogo when he was out played through the middle. If that meant tweaking it 
just to fit it. I would have said Abada play the Kyogo role because he was the most like for like replacement. And you have seen the difference to the team when Kyogo's came back in with the pace, the pressing from the front. I think Abada could have done that. And I think he's got an eye for goal as well. I'm not saying he'd be as effective as Kyogo, but I think that was a more likely replacement, which also get, lets you give you some insight as to how far down the pecking order I feel someone like his Yeti is. For me, he'll be on 15k plus, Lawrence. Ball and goal, well more than 15k. I don't think you come to West Ham. You don't think West Ham, you know? No. And and then you've got 20 plus. 20 plus. Well, there you go. Fair enough. I was trying to be, you know, trying to be moderate. You know, not make Lawrence's. I'll be having good money. I think it'll be in good money. I'll be a Yeti. And Barkas. I'm not too sure. That's fair, but that's what they key out to him, but. I think the argument though is here, based on what we're saying is there's a lot of substantial money being paid to players that are not going to be featuring the first team plans, you know, going forward realistically or be effective when they are used. The bowling golly call at Livingston was just, it looks more and more bizarre now mm. as it's went on. Not because he had a particularly bad game, by the way, that day, but it was just such a, without, excuse the pun, left field move to bring mm. him in. It's not been backed up in any, with any faith whatsoever since. And remember, he wasn't in the uh, he wasn't in the Europa League squad either. So that one for me, I mean, the ship sailed on him. I don't think he'll ever get the backing of the fans. Barkas, I think the training video with him just standing there letting balls go by him, you know, for what was it, two, three minutes solid, just stood. The shots just flew by him. It was just bizarre that his, he's, he was trying to burn his bridges there. The pity is we will not recoup what we have spent or anywhere near it on these guys, but we will save a heck of a lot in wages. Yeah, just to go through a couple of the comments, one player, some uh, Brown Warriorson could possibly come back, and he is. He's doing really Scott well at Crew. There was Scott Robertson. Um, we'll come back to Crew. We can bring him back, and I think he's a decent quality player. I think Robertson would certainly add something to the Celtic midfield that we're maybe missing, and he's proven it just now at Crew. It could be a... Uh, obviously, Callum McGregor went out and loaned to Notts County and came back. I really, you know, a different player that Ronnie Dyler could trust. I think Robertson at Crew, that could be the... The, the, the loan deal out that he's needed and comes back firing um, somebody else has seen this but would have been a perfect signing um, he's fit he knows the league scores goals don't think that's maybe a bit harsh to call Chiakimakis a big Absolutely. great dud at this moment in your time we've not seen enough of him but I think Nisbet probably would fit the system um, left this one at the very la- end of the show just to talk about but I don't think I think it's good that you can talk about this when you win a game you can't point to it when you lose a game but the refereeing performance on Sunday, I thought, was absolutely appalling. And we've heard about the introduction of VAR coming to Scoreland, uh, the well, possible introduction of VAR coming about, to Scotland. Yeah. Well, we're talking about Sunday here just because we've won, Lawrence, because if you don't do it when right. you've not won, that's well, good news to excuse, but Sunday, I would rather do it. Well, I, I, I don't watch any other team apart from the hoops, so I would rather just talk about us on Sunday. But 27 fouls Celtic were penalised for. Um, it's the same referee that in the league opener of the season didn't send off Andy Halliday for a bad challenge in Callum McGregor. Um, as at the time, Russell, after a game, you know, that you've went away and won that, that you call it out because there was one at the end, but I was absolutely baffled. Don't know who it was that had his arms completely wrapped around Albert Yeti and Madden gave absolutely nothing for it. So is it the time that you and you do win games that you can go and talk about this? We're going to go into the VAR. Um, as well because you know is VAR going to be the solution or do we just need full time refs first before we even look at VAR because the incompetence that some of these people have 
is absolutely baffling. No, I couldn't agree more. The, the, the performance at the weekend was shocking. I can feel Lawrence on the edge of his seat right now, all ready to go, so I'll try and be as brief as I can. Um, with regards to referees being full-time, there's a huge counter on that, which I think people miss. Referees' appearance money, Declan, is around £1,000, I believe, right? I think for the top league, yep. You do that on top of your daily job. What are they really going to be able to put together as a package, a full-time package for a referee, more attractive than what a referee is currently paid? It's a very, very murky water. I don't mean in a bad way, but I just think that, you know, referees are going to be sitting there going, no, 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 I've got the best of both worlds here. I do my day-to-day job, and then the weekend I get an extra grand a week. You know, that's good money. What are refs going to be paid full-time? I don't, I don't believe Scottish football can afford to to pay them full-time and match the current luxuries that the, the refs have. I don't mean luxuries in a, in a nasty way, by the way. They obviously do their hard-earned graft through the week in their day-to-day job, some different jobs than others. And then, at the, you know, and then at the weekend, they, they get their handsome appearance money. I don't see that formula changing because it's too, too much in favour of the refs. In terms of VAR, like I was saying yesterday, I think if Scottish officials were to be behind the VAR and take the cheap option, I believe the theories and the, the doubts that we currently have remain the exact same. I don't think that would you know remove any of them because we would then be going, three of them, three of them have looked at the camera there, they've had five, five opportunities to look at it, they've still came up with that. Who was it that was behind there? We want their names, all that sort of thing. It will just go back to the way people talk about the panel uh, before. I think uh, if we're going to do VR, it needs to go all out. You know, you need to you need to get the, the European model in which I don't see Scottish football affording. As for Sunday with the decision-making process, I'll, I'll pass over to Lawrence. Listen, on the VAR, it doesn't need to be, the guys watch that don't need to be based in Scotland. You can see the EPL. Listen, you've already got guys sitting ready to watch contentious decisions would you mind doing it for us? You're sharing their, their capacity. You're having the cost then. You know, you'll bring, you bring it down. As for the decisions on Sunday, 27,000 our game. Rush was talking, you know, why would they go full-time? Some of them are coaching Rangers players during the week, you know, and refing them at the weekends. We need to bring in some rules that, you know, say if you support a team or work for a team or coach the players during the week, you maybe shouldn't be refing their games you know, we need to bring in some transparency here. It's, you know, justice, you know, needs to be seen to be impartial as, as well as actually be impartial. And whether it's professional refs or, you know, who was the ref that was going to play COVID regs last season because he'd been away in Europe? I think it was the, he'd been way over to Turkey to cover one of their high-profile games because a Turkish ref, you know, couldn't be seen to be impartial. There's no reason why we can't bring in foreign refs here. <laughs> you know, Remember during the ref strikes, we didn't seem to have any complaints. You know, there was no, what's the phrase, honest mistakes happening then. You know, if it's something that, something that works, why not bring it in? It's, I think it's, it needs a root and branch in Scotland. It needs a clear out. Yeah, you look at the stats, it's just ridiculous. You know, 27 fouls. So, I mean, even the stats, the number of fouls throughout the season, but not a dirty team, but the amount of fouls that get given against us. It's it's just absolutely crazy. How many games have we foreign ended this season? Foreign referees, Lawrence, that argument to me makes a heck of a lot more sense to me than VAR because I don't believe VAR will get treated by Scottish fans with that 
impartiality. I think we'll look behind the scenes in that and it will still we'll have the same arguments. Whereas for me, the foreign referees option you're talking about there just removes all that, doesn't it? There's other countries already doing it. So you can say to Turkey, Greece, wherever, say, well, let's we'll swap referees about here. We want the referees to be seen impartial. We can't have former Rangers season ticket holders refereeing Rangers games. We can't have, I don't know any Celtic season ticket holders that are, are refs, but we can't have them refereeing Celtic games. You know, it, it, it should seem kind of fairly obvious and straightforward, but part, apparently not in Scotland. But I think, you know, you, you go to a number of associations and say, look, let's pull our refs together. Let's, you know, get better, more professional at this. You know, we've got foreign players playing for the teams. You'd be kind of foreign, foreign refs in here. It's happened before. It happens in other countries. The VAR thing, it doesn't need to be viewed in Scotland. You've got a studio down south. They've got people sitting there when games are on, waiting for instance to view. You know, you, you don't need to go to the cost of setting up another studio. <laughs> you, you know, there's a studio there. You just pay them, pay them a fee to view your instance as and when they happen. Again, you know, it's taken away some of the, you know, because what's the point uh, if it's the same refs looking at VAR again? Exactly. I mean, there was t- two tackles at, at Ibrox at, at the weekend, you know. The Rangers boy, it's not even a yellow card, and the Hibs boy gets sent off, and it looked like fam- fairly similar tackles. It, it, it's just utterly bizarre, you know. So if you've got that kind of level of, shall we say, incompetence in the refs, or, and you look at it, yeah, you know, I'm sure we've all seen the pictures on Twitter. He's running about in his, his Rangers tracks it. On the face of it, that's got to be wrong, just for people's perception. That was the ref at Ibrox on, on Saturday running about in his Rangers tracks it. It's just nuts, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's, but, you know, I, I don't see how that can be or should be tolerated. Hibs must be raging. Ryan Porteous must be raging. Well, you know, two sendings off, same referee. I mean, if you were to look at that ref stats, <laughs> you know, six red given in eight games, I think it is. In Rangers games, he's officiated six reds to the opposition team. And, and then you see him voted in a Rangers tracky. Not a good yeah, look, is it? Let's be honest. Yeah. It's almost as if he would go to, I don't know, a Rangers bar and have pints with him after <laughs> ref that Rangers game. But that would be just a crazy look as well, wouldn't it? You know, or, but, you know, I'm sure the compliance officer will have a look at these appeals impartially. I don't know if he supports any team, but uh, I'm sure he, he wouldn't let that interfere. But that's, again, Lawrence, it's one of the things that Scott Howe says in the comments here is in England if he's need to declare but but team they support imagine that up here it's you know it's transparency that we don't have here another one from Kieran 1988 says refs aren't full time and he says they're bad at their job wouldn't hire any of them you know I think there's a lack of professionalism due to what Boyce is talking about it's that they work through the week to they get their re uh, extra at the weekend that even good if you're the leader of a political party leader of the opposition in Scotland you can do your your daytime job in two political roles and then come up and be a, a linesman whenever you like mm-hmm. so it just shows you how you can uh, work it to your favour but again I think it's all about cost and whatever's cheapest for the SFA they, they will go for in terms of this I don't think you'll see what Boise said professional refs come into play anytime soon because it probably costs too much money they would need to do a, like some kind of transparent exercise and says listen we'll spoke to the EPL if you give the VAR down to them, this is what, what it's cost. And they actually start exploring these. We've spoke to foreign refs. They'll come over and do it for £600 again. You know, I, I don't think I don't think they've any interest in opening up at all. I think they're quite happy with it being a closed shop up here. And just yep. saying, 
and blaming cost. You know, I, I'd yeah. be surprised if you saw a document and went, listen, we spoke to EPL, if they have our handles, that's what the cost is. That's what the Dutch, Dutch League would charge us. That's what, I don't even think they'll go down that route. I think they just keep it close shop again. Well, it probably will remain close shop. I don't see anything changing on that front anytime soon. There'll probably be plenty of decisions that we'll be able to talk about in the coming weeks and throughout the whole season on here. But thanks to everybody that's got involved in the comments. It was a good chat about where we're at just now in terms of what we're looking towards in January, in terms of what the squad's like at this make-up time. We'll hopefully have players returning from injury. And we'll keep you up to date through this week. Obviously, Scotland play on Saturday against Israel. It's a big, big game for Scotland. We'll see some Celts come up against near Beaton. Um, some people probably wouldn't prefer to see some Celts in a Scotland jersey come up against near Beaton. would rather they just sit out for the game so they're, they're fully fit um, for the game at Motherwell, which will be tough, but we'll be keeping you up to date right through uh, the run-up to that Motherwell game because there's always something going on in the world about Celtic. We're always here to have a chat. So thanks to everybody for getting involved in the comments. If you haven't done so, please subscribe to the channel and thank you to Lawrence Conley and to Russell Boyce for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.